Frank. Oh my goodness, we are back. Episode 240 of Merge Conflict. I cannot believe that it's already been 15 years of doing this podcast. Uh, I thought it was 25. Feels like 25. Well, now the time doesn't exist. It's just been March 2020 for the last, what, 100 episodes? I believe so. That sounds about right. Um, time is energy and energy is time and time is money and stonks and there's a whole lot of uh, craziness going on in the world uh frank and uh, we're here to talk about it because episode 240 that is divided by 10 that's 24 this is our 24th lightning topics episode oh my goodness quick math in my head that means we're going to cover four or five or six topics five minutes each and um, some of them are from you our listeners because you went to mergeconflict.fm you hit our discord up you emailed us you tweeted us you did a thing um, some of them we just decided to talk about, Frank, and these are my favorite episodes. <laughs> these are my favorite episodes. They're my favorite episodes. Yeah, you know, sometimes we kind of stress out about the topics, but today we were just chit-chatting. We're like, well, let's just talk about that, and let's just talk about that. So this one came kind of naturally. It's a funny eclectic set today, James. I have to admit, now that I'm actually reading through the titles, but I'm, I'm sure everyone will have fun because I know we will have fun staring at the clock trying to get this right yes all right well let's go to the first one from alexander who wrote in via email this i'm going to summarize it because it's long but he basically writes in and says hey i have an app and i want to do cross-platform in-app purchases how do i do this like you know do i need to have user accounts can i have micro user accounts like basically you know without social auth, how does this work? Is this allowed? Is this a good idea, a terrible idea? What are your thoughts? Oh, I think it's an excellent idea if you're willing to take on the server responsibilities. It's a responsibility that I really try to shake. I, I really don't want them myself. But if you don't mind babysitting a server, and I mean, honestly, these days, life is pretty good with all the cloud providers. They all have API front ends. They all have data stores. I think designing cross-platform accounts is much easier than it's been in the past, much more reliable than it's been in the past. And it gives you a lot more opportunities, kind of like we've been discussing with the turnips this whole time. <laughs> is this is this a continuation of the turnip thing? Did you get turnips into this episode? I brought them in. It's my fault. Anyway, um, it really gives you a lot of flexibility. Uh, James was able to change his entire pricing model uh, thanks to his account system. So I think if you're willing to take on the little hassle, yeah, it's totally a good thing to do. Yeah, I mean, this is how tons of applications work. They're usually tied to some form of login. Um, you know, that is the biggest thing is normally what would happen is you have an account. You may have created that on the website. And the first thing your users are going to do is log in. Um, like Netflix, right? You can log in on Netflix. You already pay for Netflix. It's your subscription. You log in on your iOS or Android device. You don't have to pay again. That would be crazy. Imagine if that was a thing that would boggle the mind. But, you know, they have their entire accounts. There is a backend system. There's receipt validation. You have to do your due diligence in that form um, to, to make sure that's that's correct. And you, of course, have to then pick, are you going to store usernames and passwords? Are you only going to do social auth? That to me is the trickier part, right? It's it's not necessarily making a web request to say, does this you know, get the user account? It's or how am I gonna what are my users? And the even 
what Alexander said here was mini user account. And, and you're right. This is the encore of Island Tracker. Um, <laughs> for Island Tracker, every device is a unique user. Um, so the, the user has generated uh, tokens when they install the application. Now, little do all of my users know that they can easily, you know, game the system, which is they can export their their account and re-import it on another phone. And this is, of course, brilliant because um, if I have two devices, an iOS and Android device, I can easily go between them and I can have my same account on both and see everything. This also means that somebody could export the account and I could give my credentials to Frank. But why would I give my credentials to Frank and then Frank's going to see my friends? Like, you know, there has to be some, you know, way of revalidating that. So what my app does is whenever somebody imports an account or signs in, I I say you have to go re-get your in-app purchases. So this would this would um, fix the issue, which is I give my tokens to Frank, Frank gets the upgrade, and then re-imports his credentials, and then still has the upgrade because I'm like, no, 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 Frank, you have to revalidate and restore your purchases. I think the trickier part though is this. And I'm not sure, Frank, how to handle this. I didn't think about this is, you know, my in-app purchases are on the family account, which means, you know, you technically can restore purchases on multiple devices. And I think you would then have to allow that and then say, hey, you know, Frank and I are on the family account. We have different usernames and logins. You need to allow the, in-app, you know, the shared subscription if you allow that, I guess. Yeah, I guess that comes down to the granularity of what you're storing for your security model. All this comes down to what is your security model for your accounts. <laughs> um, so if what you're doing when you do restore purchases, if you're then sending that flag to the server and the s- server is storing that flag, then I think you'll have a pretty natural time with the family. It's all when the server is the pure source of truth that uh oh, now you got to figure out how family plans work with the receipt validation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I assume that's all in the receipt, but no, I take that back, right? Because you could have bought the app and then joined a family. So, yeah, um, it, I think that there, there, there's definitely that benefit to restoring within the app and then communicating that back to the server. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a good idea. And at some point, you know, you're going to have to figure that out. I mean, people can, you always have to have a restore mechanism in your app. So a user could install with their Apple account on 25 devices and restore the purchase and their purchase will be on 25 devices. The question is, yeah, do you want cross platform across iOS and Android? And I, I would say a subscription, probably yes. But if you have actually, I would say this though, before we get over this one is if you have today, no user accounts, like the user has no user accounts, anything like that. Um, I would probably wait and see how many people, you know, because then what you would do is I think over overcast does this where you optionally can like log into an account and then synchronize your data between your browser and your, you know, your mobile device, but it's optional, right? So you can say, Hey, if you want cross platform, then you can optionally log into this thing but then you got to decide what you want to support. Yeah. 
Uh, absolutely, you can have that logged out state too. That's up to you to design the app. You can just make the anonymous experience good or you can require the login. That's kind of up to you and how you're going to monetize the app. But enough about that. We got to move on to another topic. Or should I say, speaking of cross-platform apps that have accounts, I use an app called Robinhood. And I've been getting a whole bunch of weird notifications this week because the internet is doing a thing. And again, that thing is crouching in on the real world and it's hitting the news sources. I think even BBC is covering it. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my high watermark for if it's real or not. It's whether the BBC covers it. Uh, the stonks. <laughs> the game, the game stonks. The game stocks. The game stop stocks. The game stop stonks. Stonks. We're going to talk stonks, about stonks. it. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. James, why did I have to introduce this one? <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's, let's get into the stonks, right? Because, you know, it's funny enough that Island Tracker is like the stock market of turnips. Oh, that's a way better segue. <laughs> you should have done it. <laughs> Well, you know, too late now. That I mean, that's why I'm the co-host, Frank, because, you know, sometimes I come up with good ones, but sometimes you come up with great ones. So um, I wanted to, we're late to this game because, you know, we record the podcast early in real life. I, I was long on, on a few GameStop shares for a while. I did sell them um, and make a, a little bit of okay money. Uh, it's not necessarily a company I be, you know, believe paper long hands. term in. You have paper, paper hands. hands. I have paper hands, yeah. <laughs> that's what that means? There we go. I have no idea. Yeah, paper hands means you don't you, you sold it for a profit. Diamond hands means you held it to stick it to the man, James. Oh yeah, I'm definitely paper. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is with stocks, I get very uh, worried. Even though it's like I have 15 shares, like it's not that's not a lot. You know, I bought them for like five dollars each, but um, I don't have a I didn't have a big investment in that. And then what's the disclaimer we're supposed to give, Frank? Uh, neither of us are financial advisors. Uh, past performance does not predict future expectations. Uh, guy, I'm not rich, so don't listen to me. <laughs> the stock market is for rich, lucky people. <laughs> this is not advice, and we do not recommend advice. Okay, so here's what here's what I wanted to explain. Johnny Harris is one of my favorite um, um, YouTubers. I'll put a link in the show notes to his video talking about this. But he had a great analogy of... Um, of how this short squeeze works and how shorts work. And this was the issue with that. To me, it was a great learning opportunity. This whole thing was an amazing thing. I learned how options worked. I learned how um, um, shorting works. I learned all of this stuff. But here's how it works, Frank. Frank, let's say you have a one wheel, okay? And you're, you have a one wheel, right? Yeah, And just one? There's You just have, we're going to keep it simple. You have one one wheel, okay? Got it. And- Here's what here's what's going to happen is um, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, Frank, um, I would like to you know, borrow your one wheel and, and I will give it back to you in two months. How does that sound? You say yes. I don't like you say it, yes. but OK. OK. OK, James, you can have my borrow my one wheel for one month because you're not using it. You're not using it. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to borrow and I'm going to give it back to you. So I take your one wheel. OK, and I go on to eBay and I sell your one wheel. And now let's make it easy. And let's say a one wheel is worth $1,000. Okay. And, um, it's a fair price. It's a fair price. Now let's say I go on to, um, you know, I go on to eBay and I sell your, um, your one wheel and I sell it for $500. That's pretty good. How much money did I just make Frank? $500. 
I You're just made, <laughs> I just made five hundred dollars. So I'm lost I, already, James. <laughs> all right, I take your one wheel, I borrow it, right, and I say, Frank, I'm going to give this back mm-hmm. to you in one month. And obviously, I, we had a very bad contract. I should not have allowed you to sell it. <laughs> well, you didn't know that because I'm going to. I no matter what, my contract says I will give this one wheel back. I will give you a one wheel back to you, right? Um, so I go and I and I go and I and I sell it. Now I sell it for this. Now one month comes up and there's one of two things that can happen. Okay. I I can then, you know, I have to give you back your one wheel. You're like, it's been a month. Mm -hmm. You have to give me back your one wheel. Now one of two things has happened. Now the reason I did this is because I thought that the price of one wheels were going to drop a lot. Right. I thought that Mm -hmm. in one month time, they were going to go down to 200 bucks and I would be able to buy back the one wheel for $200 and give it back to you. And I've made $300, $500 minus $200, $300 profit. Now the opposite of this could happen. What if the one wheel prices go up? Let's say they're $2,000, $3,000, $5,000. Frank, what I've done is I've shorted one wheels because I've said, I believe that one wheels in one month will be cheaper than they are now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And at one month, the issue will become, I either will have to buy them back at a lower price or a higher price. So the problem that happened with GameStop, which I used to work for, by the way, for many years. Oh, um, neat. There's assistant manager. Thank you very much. Um, I um, hope you had lots of stocks. Yes, I did not know. They don't give us any. <laughs> so um, what happened is, is one over 100% of the shares of GameStop were shorted, which means that Everybody was basically borrowing shares and selling that, you know, and selling them to people and imagining they were, the stock was going to go down to zero. And all these Wall Street bets, people said, well, you know what? It's not going to go. We believe in this stuff. We've done our due diligence. We're going to buy all the GameStop stock and all these other options, and we're going to drive the price up. And all of those hedge funds who had all of these shorts got caught in this mix because guess what? They had to return those GameStop shares at a certain price. And sure enough, when that price goes up to 500, 300, whatever dollars, they lose a bunch of money in the tunes of hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. And that is stock shorting. Yeah. I remember once I really wanted to get into the mathematics of finance and I was working for a bank. So I was around a bunch of financial wonks and I had to keep up with them. And so I bought a book and I read it. I got all up to date on finance and I showed the book to one of the bankers and he laughed at me. He says, oh, that's nice. That has nothing to do with how the stock market works. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all a game. It's all game theory kind of game. And it's it's honestly, for me, entertaining to see the Internet have that much uh, control over something that is normally not under control unless you are a very rich hedge fund or something like that. And so I think it's a blip. I'm curious what legislation will come out of it. Not legislation, but SEC stuff. Um, But overall, it is a reminder that the internet is dangerous. I'm a little bit worried about propaganda campaigns because what's the next stock that we mess with and is that for other reasons, et cetera, et cetera. But I've always assumed that we're going to have a dystopian cyberpunk future. So this is just a part of it. Well, as we all know, I am long on Doge and, um, you know, Doge gets, <laughs> they call Doge getting pumped, right? As they do that big thing where they buy and then a few people sell at the top. 
pumping is the same, is very similar thing that we hear all the time. And I, I will say, you know, but I'm long on Doge. I will, I'm, I've got the, what is it? Diamond hands on Doge? Diamond hands on Doge. Diamond um, hands, yeah. Diamond you got to hold in order to raise the price. The problem is if everyone's holding, then market demand, there's you know more demand, so the price goes up. Blah, blah, blah. I believe they call it hodling. Ooh, that's I don't the know that term. That that's a new so, one for me. So, so hodl. The that, you know, Joseph told me what hodling is because I was talking about Doge, and then I guess in the crypto speak, instead of holding, they say you got to hodl. Oh god! I don't know. I don't speak know. For crypto. I have no idea. Anyways, hello, hello, fellow teenagers. <laughs> we got the leaks. Leak speak down. <laughs> so Frank, we talked about the one wheel, but apparently you're about to get two wheels, and I'm not talking about a bicycle. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Knock on wood, James. I'm buying a robot. This is handy, the first robot I'm handy at. bot. Bot handy. No, I'm not getting bot handy. Oh. We still don't know if bot handy is for sale. You failed me there because I asked if you bought bot handy and no, nothing. Is it handy bot or bot handy? Bot handy. Okay, fine. That's not what we're talking about. Today we are talking about Lumo. 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 Cool. It name. is a yeah, yeah. It's a segue without the handlebars. So imagine a segue. And instead of handlebars, there's a little robot that sits between your legs. It's a little awkward, if I'm honest. <laughs> but um, knock on wood, because I actually don't have it yet. But it, it, it is a coming. And so I've been reading manuals and watching YouTube videos. The very neat thing about this is it's not just a transport device, but it is actually a robot. It's a self-balancing robot without a human on it. That's something a one wheel can't do. It also has a whole big sensor array. And it's basically an Android with wheels. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, and this thing has, it's, it's run, it's like running Android and Android and there's apps and it's, there's a bunch of stuff that says customize open platform based on Android OS. It has an Intel Atom X7 processor inside and it has iOS and Android devices. And I've seen these things by the way, because it has built-in motion tracking, and there's a Twitch streamer, the Sushi Dragon, who does, I don't even, can't even describe what his stream is, um, fun, but <laughs> he has a bunch of Lumos that like follow him around and record him, and then he'll hop on them and do a bunch of stuff, and he, you can program them. like You can program, give them skills, there's OTA updates, a whole bunch of stuff, but this thing has like object tracking and maps the world like in real time it's i i didn't he was he's just using it as a follow me around camera but when you go to the website which we'll put in the show notes of course like it's kind of crazy yeah and this is something i generally resist i prefer to build my own robotics you know me i like building drones and all that kind of stuff but fact of the matter is there are much better technicians out there than me and they can build much better hardware and so it's kind of exciting for me to buy this kind of device that is also programmable. I'm really curious to see exactly what the API is. You can go to the website and inspect it, but I haven't gotten that deep yet. But this is how robots seem to be at the commercial level being released to the world. Here is a programmable device, and here is a kind of API set. Good luck with it. Um, it's just going to be more of that in the future. You know, the spot robot that I absolutely adore from Boston Dynamics. I guess it's roughly the same thing. They give you an SDK and they're like, Spot can get through doors, but if you want like higher level functionality, you're going to kind of have to program it yourself. And I saw, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say our friend Spot. Did you see that Spot got an arm? Now Spot is yeah. Spot Handy. <laughs> Spot Handy. Oh, that is really good. Uh, yeah, I remember the early promos always had the arm, and it looks like a dinosaur when it has an arm. So it's like Dinobot. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. Uh, yeah, I totally did. And it's a great addition to the robot. We already discussed Bot Handy plenty. And, you know, I feel like Bot Handy is becoming a mascot of this show. Anyway, um, <laughs> a friend of the show, Jack Gillen, uh, worked on this project. And he said he was programming his to go inspect his plants in the garden and go see if they need watering every morning so the little robot is just programmed on a schedule to go out and uh check on the plants and i think that's absolutely cute and darling and i can't wait to do stupid things like that too that's really neat yeah i the idea of having a a a really sophisticated robot that you can then program and do other things with that you you don't have to build the entire system i believe that that looks that that's like a kind of uh and something and you can ride it you can just get Ooh. on top and ride it. I, I should not leave that off. This this thing has like a 30 mile range. I don't probably not with a human on it, but you know, <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll never give up my prized one wheel, but I have no problem. Uh, this is more, what are they called? Like the hoverboard style where the wheels are to your mm. left and your right. So yes. two wheels, two wheels. Got two wheels. One for me. And a big old brain and a cute little sensor pack. That's a limo. All right, well, let's get into it, Frank. The big topic of the week, iCircuit 3D is out. We talked about it last week, but you released it and you you just did it out of nowhere. Oh, heavens to Betsy. I totally forgot about that. No, it's It's been dominating my life for the last four days. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a really great launch and I want to just take this time to thank everyone on Twitter for all the retweets. And I apologize dearly if you kept getting retweets in your timeline and i was stinking up your timeline there i apologize but um everyone was really great i was james i was so nervous about this release not just because i spent a lot of time on the app but it was also kind of a weird ui i wasn't sure how people were going to react to it it's an app that up to this point i've kind of had to explain to people and i hate that about apps i like it when people just get it and so i was really nervous about the release but then i sent it out and I mean, within an hour, I was kind of inundated, (laughs) kind of overwhelmed (laughs) with tweets to deal with. But I kept texting you during it. I was very excited. It was uh, it was a really great launch. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, no, I think it was it was really fun. I remember waking up at I woke up in the morning really early that day because I had something, some meeting or something going on. And I, I don't know if I was the first person to buy it, but I would like to think I am <laughs> um, because I did search iCircuit and then iCircuit 3D was in the drop down is before you tweeted or announced anything. And I just remember, you know, it is sort of happening and and it reminded me of um, what's it, David uh, Smith, David Smith. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. From uh, uh, like uh, pedometer plus plus. Yep. Um, yes. Yeah. He was releasing, I think, Sleep Plus Plus, and he did a whole podcast about him releasing the app and then waiting for people to be able to buy it so he could like tweet about it and do a whole thing. Um, you did something really cool, though, that I thought was great, is that you had these promo videos that you put out for iOS and Android on the App Store, and you included that in the tweet. And I thought that was the most genius thing that you could do because it's like, here's the app. 
you know, it's like you made a promo video and you got multiple uses out of it. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, um, it was a combination of things. One was it's nice to control your own media on Twitter because I'm never quite sure how the embedded media picker upper thing is going to work. So just in general out there, if you want to guarantee media with your tweet, you just got to put that media in there. Uh, so that was something I was thinking about. But uh, you had burned it into my head and I had decided that this was an app that you kind of needed to see moving because half of the joke of the app is how there's a physics engine running in an electronics app. It's a little bit weird, but like you, you can't understand what that means unless you see things actually falling and moving and that kind of stuff. So I knew I needed to show a video. So I spent a good couple of days uh, putting that video together and I thought the video came out good. You know, I'm not a video editor, but I was proud of it and I thought it kind of captured the spirit of the app. So that's what I decided to throw into the tweet. And that seems to have been a good decision because kind of just at a glance within the first two seconds, you didn't even have to watch too much of the video. I think you kind of understood what the app was just from the first couple seconds. Yeah. Did you enjoy being featured on 9to5Mac? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, I mean, that never gets old. Like anytime like a proper media place kind of picks up your app, that never gets old. Like... I, I want to like take screenshots and send them to my mom. Like, look, I, I wish I lived in the era where I had a chance of being in print media. I'll probably never get to be in print media, but you know, that would still be a nice little life goal. Uh, it was, it was great to get a lot of compliments from the Mac community. They're, they're always the people I kind of want to impress out there. And then I had a lot of people saying it was a good idea for education, which really made me happy because I love the idea of working on education apps. Yeah, I was um, super impressed by it. I think that one of the big use cases that you've talked a lot about for iCircuit is in the educational space. And, you know, for me, I wrote a, you know, wrote a review after playing around with it quite a bit um, on my iPhone SE second gen, which it did hold oh. up on. A few little, okay, you know. can I interject real mm -hmm. quick? One of the biggest surprises of the launch was how many people bought it on an iPhone. I was mm. like, oh gosh, oh gosh, I really designed this for an iPad. <laughs> but <laughs> it works on an iPhone, I promise. I, I made sure the iPhone version was good, but it was really designed for an iPad. So that made me a little bit nervous when I saw the sales coming in. <laughs> well, you know, one of my favorite things that you do in this app that makes me feel like I can understand electrical engineering is that you put a lot of good samples in. Uh, in, in, into the application. So when you go to create a new document, you can create with a blank app. It's like visual studios, like what type of app do you want to in a servo, a switch panel? It's a good way of exploring. And, and you can tell that like, oh, Frank made this thing because it's like, of course, Frank would make, you know, would he would, these are creations that he was building and testing the app. And sure enough, it's like, oh, here it is. And, and, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really neat just i oh, still don't, you don't know what i'm doing half the time but it's still really cool <laughs> those aren't the ones i use to test the app the ones i use to test the app are ridiculous <laughs> they are just they make me laugh every time i open them i'm like that circuit is ridiculous and i just mean by by that i mean like imagine a circuit and then hit copy and paste a thousand times and see what happens <laughs> that's it's, that was kind of i love that kind of parts of it. it's why it took me so long to write the app i just liked using the app uh, yeah, I, I definitely got the feedback that this is definitely just a simulator. So if you want to explore circuits, but you don't know circuits, I think it's great for exploring. But, um, if you don't know circuits at all, there's no guided education mode. So definitely 
Definitely something I've heard from people uh, to add to it. But well, James, only two crashing bugs on day one. That's that's what I'm proud of. And you found the first one. Congratulations, James, and your <laughs> messed up email configuration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Frank. There's a there's an email support button, and it crashes, which is my f- favorite. Like you don't get support you know, today. I know. No. I, I, I told you, though, it's always that. It's always the most embarrassing thing. Like, your bugs can't be, like, subtle little cute things. No, it has to be, oh, I'm upset with your app and I need support. And then you click the button and the app crashes. Glorious. Absolutely. I just want to be clear. That's what the app does right now, everyone, under certain email configurations. It's it's embarrassing on every level, aside from the fact that the rest of the app is good. So it's like, of course, I'm going to screw something up. I should have used Xamarin Essentials. I was going to say somebody didn't use Xamarin Essentials because you know what doesn't <sighs> crash? Xamarin Essentials doesn't crash because I have the same code, the MF <laughs> mail view thing inside of my cadence and Island Tracker. And what it does is, I don't know how you're at, why your app crashes, but what mine does is it pops up a, a, a little dialogue and it says the, you know, the, this piece of code requires the mail app. Do you want to reinstall the mail app? You know what I mean? Um, which is, again, is not the best, but this is a, this is a, this is a fascinating one because this is uh, something that Apple broke and they haven't fixed yet. And uh, they don't have a good API for developers to really send email into other third-party apps, which can now be set as the default, but I really found those defaults to be broken anyways. I was on a website yesterday, there was a mail to, and I clicked on it and it, it's like, Hey, um, you gotta, you gotta install the mail app. And I was like, what, the, why, how is this oh, the really? default mail app? If I can't open a mail to you in another app. So I don't know. It's weird. That's so funny because I was considering just switching to open URL mail to, because that has always traditionally worked also. And I, I would have said that I would just pick up your app, but now you have me scared. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So, it's all broken, yeah. all of it. Anyways, mm-hmm. last thing I want to talk about here that we put now that you have iCircuit 3D out is that now you have multiple iCircuits. And I was talking about app bundles. It's one of the most kind of really not Android app bundles, but App Store app bundles. I mean, it's funny that those are named the same thing. Yeah. But I don't have I don't have apps that are the same enough to warrant a bundle and you frank also didn't up until this point you could have the frank krueger pack but i feel like <laughs> i circuit continuous and mocast and calca are different enough that an average person wouldn't want to get the krueger pack you know what i mean but now you have i circuit and i circuit 3d and they both have different use cases i want to make that very clear like i i feel like they're they're similar apps but also completely different and I was like, you should do an app bundle. And I I realized that I said that and I don't actually know how app bundles work. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of. I'm in the same uh, basket as you because I've been on the app store for since what, 2008. And unfortunately, my mental model of it is from 2008 and we didn't have app bundles. Now, these are not bundle IDs. This is where you can take multiple apps and put what, like a unique icon, a unique description and make it a single purchase to get a bunch of your apps. And I've been thinking about doing it for a while. I I don't think I would have called it the Frank bundle, James. I would have called it like a tech bundle. You know, I could have done like Calca and Continuous are kind of naturally together and then throw in iCircuit. I don't know, call it a tech bundle or something like that. 
I've thought about it for quite a while. I haven't pulled the trigger on it, mostly because I'm a terrible business person. And I just haven't been sure if that was the right thing to do. But uh, yeah, you nailed it. Now that I have apps that are most definitely a part of a family, it makes sense for me. I have to figure out exactly what the bundle is in terms of like Mac versions and iOS versions, because, you know, the whole Mac iOS world has gotten very confusing in the app ecosystem so i have to make a few decisions there but i think you might be right and i think it's time i look into bundles and so i started to too yeah there's you know i was reading through the apple documentation for it and and the whole concept is you can bundle up to 10 apps into a bundle and the user can buy all the all the apps at once um the, the the coolest part i think of this though is the complete my bundle okay and this means that if someone buys an app, they'll get a credit towards the bundle. So if they bought iCircuit at $12.99 or whatever it is, and the bundle is $19.99 or $24.99, they would get $12.99 off the bundle. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like Apple did this correct because there's a situation in this case where you, you for example, Frank, you have you know X amount of users with iCircuit you could literally be offering them iCircuit 3D at a discounted rate because you put it in that bundle. Like it's almost like a, hey, you supported me. Here's a nice little kickback and you can have the, the normal app be a, a, a increased price and the bundle obviously gets a discount. Unless I charge more for the bundle than the sum of the apps. Ha ha. No, no, I would never do that. that. I'm just that kidding. No, it, it's a great idea because it, it it it's a cool little reward too to give people for supporting you know your previous apps and things like that. I don't know. I was just a little hesitant in the past because honestly, I didn't know they had complete my bundle. I guess it's the, the technology name that they're calling it. Mm-hmm. It makes obvious sense. Of course, they would support it, but just my own naivety, I didn't know. I was also worried I had heard some nasty rumors of bad things that happens with bundles. Uh, One of the tricky ones I've heard is that you can't really delete an app once it's a part of a bundle. You're basically stuck selling that app basically for eternity. Mm. Um, There's that. There's if you sell an app, you know, and these things can change. Apple's always changing. So, you know, check with Apple first. But there was a thing where uh, people are having trouble transferring apps that were a part of a bundle. So if I, if you bought iCircuit from me, like you bought the business iCircuit from me, um, I couldn't transfer it over to your company. So keep in mind that there might be a few little future caveats like that. But if you're in a position like me where you're mostly in control of your own company, then I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm definitely looking into it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty decent. There, there seems like there's a lot of customization now. You can use the default icon, which is like your other app icons bundled, or you can do a custom app icon. Um, yeah, I don't know. It seems pretty cool. Again, I I just have never been in the place, and I don't see app bundles that often um, putting them together because most of my apps are just like either free or, you know, yeah. um, the developer has like one app, um, you know, and to me, this is kind of cool. I see it in games a lot. I'd imagine there's a bunch of games that right. are bundled together. But I think also productivity. I think there's a bunch of Mac apps that are like, hey, um, who's like like Fog Creek or whatever, right? Frog Creek? Fog Creek? Fog? Do they Frog? make apps? I mean, they make web stuff. Mac? Yeah. No, not, they're not the ones. What's the other ones a really popular Mac developer? Um, oh, don't do this to me. Put me on the spot. Um, any of them. 
Any of them. They, okay. they probably bundle We, we apps, just right? failed. We failed as Mac developers, yes. And I've heard of developers cooperating with each other where we're like, hey, let's just combine our apps and one of them will take on the business responsibilities and, you know, just cut the other one a check, which is kind of fun because mm. doing a cross promotion like that, you know, you're introducing your app into maybe a new market, things like that. Uh, I'm not good at working together, so I, I haven't done that myself, but I always thought that was a clever use of the technology too. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I want to say congratulations on your launch, Frank. You have a uh, very fun road ahead, I guess, you know, on our Patreon Mm -hmm. feed, um, which we're doubling down on uh, over at patreon.com slash mergeconflict.fm. And also there's a support button on the top of mergeconflict.fm and in the show notes too. Um, You know, we have been doubling down on the Patreon. We are now putting out all of the episodes early. So if you're like, man, I need Frank and James in my ears even sooner than Monday at midnight Pacific, then you can totally get those podcasts. As soon as I am done editing them, I put them live. They're available immediately. The Patreon subscribers have a um, exclusive RSS feed. So you don't even need two RSS feeds. There's one RSS feed that you can get all the Patreon exclusive bonus episodes. We just did one called James is deleting all of his apps from the app store. Um, so that's what? a good one to listen to. What? But Clickbait. 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 Uh, you can support the show in, they come in in different tiers, you know, entry price, like $2 a month or whatever. Help support the show. Um, helps us keep our server costs going. Um, and also you get some really cool um, bonus things on our discord and we'll have exclusive merch coming to the Patreon feeds as well whenever I can figure out how to do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm super excited about it. I think it's fun. We're going to do some short episodes, but no matter what, our Patreon subscribers will get it early and you can go figure that out at the link below. I think that's a lot of fun. I think we have a really great release time, Sunday at midnight, Monday mornings. I love that release time. But I also really love getting episodes early. So I'm excited for everyone. And I'm glad that we're doing this for all the Patreon people. So if you're like me and are very impatient, you'll love getting the episodes early. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.